of kings is with us each and every day. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get to that, I'd like to offer you, kind of invite you to think about the question that I'll be finishing with. The question that I'll be ending with is this. It is, what does God want you to do? So if you're thinking about your life right now, what does God want you to do? So when I was 18, it was the summer before, and it was the summer before I went to college. I was pretty sure that God wanted me to go to Cornerstone and to major in business and to get a job at UPS and to climb the ladder at UPS with my business major and make a ton of money and be a pillar in the church. Yeah. So, so I just want our young people to see this. Okay, so I just want our young people to see it. How many of you are doing something different than you thought you were going to do when you were 18? Yeah, it's not everyone, but it's close. But I knew what I was supposed to do that summer. That summer, I was supposed to prune Christmas trees, make as much money as I could for college, and witness to people that would never, ever hear the gospel if they didn't have a pastor's kid, a Christian, working with them. That's what I knew I was supposed to do that summer. What is God calling you to do? Right now, what is he calling you to do? I just want you to, because I think there's some of us that are really, really nervous, we are going to miss God's calling on our life. That somehow we're just going to not see it, or not hear it, or not notice it, and then we are going to just screw up our future because we, we just missed this encoded message from God that we weren't able to decode in time. But I want you to kind of see from... Saul's life here is how clear God is with his call. As you're thinking about what is it that God wants me to do. So here we are. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Berkoath, the son of Aphah, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. And he had a son who was a contestant on The Bachelor. He had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man, and there was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. For his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. And now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. Okay, so we're going to see some coincidences in this text. And I want you to ask yourself, is this really a coincidence? Really? Now the Saul's, uh, the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul, of all the people that Kish could have picked, he picks Saul. 
his son, um, take one of the young men with you and arise and go and look for the donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of uh, Cilicia, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Salim, but they were not there. And they passed through the land of Benjamin, but did not find them. So he looks and he looks and he looks and he looks. And they're not there. Frustrating. Ever look for something that you cannot find? I think the closest I can come to this is looking for a dog that's run away. You look and 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 you can't find it. When they came to the land of Zuph, so remember Zuph is a relative of Samuel. We know that from 1-1. So this may, this may be Rama. This may be uh, Samuel's hometown. When they came to the land of Zuph, Samuel said to his, or, I'm sorry, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. What's, what's the big problem in Saul's life that he's trying to solve right now? It's donkeys. That's going to have something to do with sign number one. More on that later. But he said to him, Behold, there is a man of God in this city. He is a man who is held in honor. So it just happens to be that they're looking for the donkeys in the last place they come to. When Saul is ready to quit, they're right next to Samuel's, the place where Samuel is. All that he says comes true, and you'll see how this comes true. You'll see how this is true as we go. So now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But if we go, what can we bring the man? For the bread in our sacks is gone. This will have something to do with sign number two. More on that in a little bit. And there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again, Here I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. So the servant just happens to have something to pay Samuel with. And I will give it to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, come, let us go to the seer. For today's prophet was formerly called a seer. Just a historical note there in 1 Samuel. And Saul said to his servant, well said, come, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they met young women coming out to draw water. So it just happens to be the time when the young women go out to draw water. And these young women just happen to know Samuel is in town because he's just happened to get there. You'll see this. And they said to him, is the seer here? And they answered, he is. Behold, he, just, he is just ahead of you. He, just, he went here just ahead of you. Hurry. He has come just now to the city because the people have a sacrifice today on the high place. And as soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. This is more true than Saul realizes. For the people will not eat till he comes, since he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now go up, for you will meet him immediately. So they went up to the city, and as they were entering the city, they saw Samuel coming toward them on his way to the high place. Of course, they don't know it's Samuel. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel. Okay, so, remember we're asking, what does God want you to do? If Saul were to hear what God wanted him to do, Saul never 
ever would have believed it. Saul would have said that is impossible. Even after all this evidence, Saul still won't believe it. So God is giving him, blessing him with evidence that God is in this and God is calling him to this. So the Lord reveals this to Samuel. Tomorrow about this time I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. That's really key. What's the king's job? Save the people from the enemies. For I've seen my people because of their cry has come to me. Remember, God says, look, you're going to cry and I'm not going to hear. Well, God is patient. That's, that's all I can say. God is patient. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, here is the man of whom I spoke to you. It is he shall re, who shall restrain my people. Then Saul approached Samuel. Okay, do you have that in your mind? Saul comes into the city. First person he sees is this old guy. He thinks, oh, maybe he'll know where the seer is. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, tell me, where is the house of the seer? And Samuel said to Saul, it's me. He just happens to see Samuel and it, it's just Samuel. Go up before me to the high place for today you shall eat with me. And in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. For your donkeys that were lost three days ago, remember this, this will have to do with the first sign. More on that in a little bit. As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not uh, set your mind on them for they have been found. And if you're Saul, you're going, sure they have. I don't know if I believe you. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's house? And Saul answered, how can this be true? It can't be me. It can't be that God wants me to do what you're telling me he wants me to do. It can't be. Am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribes of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me this way? Then Saul took Samuel and his young man and brought them into the hall. And he gave them a place at the head of those who had been invited. And God had invited Saul. Who were about 30 persons. They just happened to have a seat at the head of the table empty. So here they are about to feast. And there is a place set for Saul at the head of the table. And as Saul is filled with doubts, this can't be true, this can't be true, this can't be true. There is a spot for him at the head of the table because Samuel knew he was coming. And Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion I gave you, of which I said, put it aside. So, so there's the table set for Saul, and he's like, yeah, that, that, whoever was supposed to be here probably just didn't show up. It's probably just a place. And Samuel says, hey, hey, bring out the side that I said, put it on his plate. He's here. It gets harder to deny, you know, that it's just chance. So the cook took up the leg and that was on it and set it before Saul. And Saul said, see, what was kept is set before you. See, I knew you were coming. God told me you were coming. Eat because it was kept for you until the hour appointed that you might eat with the guests. It's like the secret coronation feast. 
So Saul ate with Samuel that day. And when they had come down from the high place into the city, a bed was spread for Saul on the roof. Now, I'm not sure if the bed was already spread. Like, Samuel brings him home and says, look, I've prepared the guest quarters for you. They go up on the roof. There's the bed ready to go. Or if they just got the bed ready to go when, when he got there. I'm not sure. It was spread out for Saul on the roof, and he lay down to sleep. And then at the break of dawn, Samuel called to Saul on the roof, up, that I may send you on your way. So Saul rose, and he and Samuel went out into the street. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Saul, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to pass on before us, and when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. So notice that Samuel doesn't start with the word of God. He gives Saul lots and lots of evidence that he is speaking for God first. In fact, he gives him a night to sleep on it. On all the evidence that he has. And it all kind of centers around this meal. And what Samuel's about to say next should stick with Saul the rest of his life. As, as this is Saul's origin story. And Saul should have this meal and the lessons that Samuel gives him seared into his mind for the rest of his life as, as he's supposed to do what God is telling him to do. And my question for you is, what is God calling you to do? And when he passed on, stop there for yourself a while that I may make, him known, make known to you the word of God. God. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head. He's anointing him. This is what you would do for a king. And kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. Okay, so we're, we've had the meal behind us. The meal gives Samuel credibility with Saul. So Saul will believe him. Now he's going to talk about some signs that what, here's how you're going to know. First, you have the evidence of the meal. Now you'll get more evidence of signs. This shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, this is the first, this is the first sign. Two, um, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin of uh, Zelza. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you. Saying, what shall I do about my son? Okay, so what's the first sign? That not just Samuel making it up, but two people he meets at random will tell him the donkeys have been found. And this, this really shows... That God is capable of solving his problems. Saul is going to face problems as a king. And the further he gets from his origin story, the more he's going to forget that God is with him. The worse he's going to get at doing what God has called him to do. But it starts with this. Here's the first sign Samuel's saying. You're going to find people that tell you that your donkeys have been found. Then you shall come from there to your father. Then you shall go from there farther. 
and come to the oak of Tabor. And three men going uh, up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread. Hey, what was, what was Saul out of? Bread. He's like, we don't have any bread. We can't give anything to Samuel. Okay, so here's the second sign. And another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread. He said, we didn't have any. We don't even have one. Well, you're going to get two, which you will accept from their hand. This is the second sign. And after that, okay, this is the third sign. Sign number three. After that, you shall come to Gabeath Elohim, where there is a garrison of Philistines. And there, as soon as you come into the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Saul, you will have the spiritual power you need to do what God is calling you to do. God will meet you and give you spiritual strength to do what God is calling you to do. This is what happens when the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon people. They get strength to do what God is calling them to do. So if you look with me, if, if you were to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 11, you'll see the Spirit of God rushing on Saul again. You see that in 11.6, And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. This is something that happens again and again throughout Judges and 1 Samuel, but really only in Judges and 1 Samuel, that the Spirit of God rushes upon people and gives them strength to do what God has called them to do. So when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do. So this is going to be kind of our theme today. Remember I asked you in the beginning, what is God calling you to do? This is what Samuel says, do what your hand finds to do. Do what God is calling you to do. Now, why can you do that? Because God is with you. For God is with you. That's why you can do what God is calling you to do. God is with you for mission. He is with you for mission. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days shall you wait until the, I come to you and show you what to do. Then he turned his back to leave Samuel, and God gave him another heart. This is the third sign coming true. And all these signs came to pass that day. They all come true that day. And so we're going to get more detail on the third sign, which is God gives spiritual strength. Then they came to Gabeath, and behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. When they all who knew him previously saw how he had prophesied to the prophets, the people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, Who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul among the prophets? Like, this is so uncharacteristic of him. It'd be like saying, is Nathan among the ballerinas? You know? So this is why it's the third sign. Because God gave him spiritual strength to do something that he never would have done. When God calls us to do something, God empowers us to do it in a way that we never could have before. 
When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place, and Saul's uncle, probably Abner, we'll see that later, when Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, where did you go? And he said, to seek the donkeys. And when he saw that they were not to be found, he went to Samuel, and Samuel's, Saul's uncle said, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. All right, so as we read this text, if I could summarize what I want you to know about God in four words, I would put it like this. That God is with you. I think that's, that's the main thing in all of it. That God is with you. So, so this is why. Saul just happens to be sent out looking for donkeys. And he just happens to be sent out with the young man who is really resourceful. And the young man just happens to have his credit card with them so that they can go and pay Samuel something. And it just happens to be that as they go up to the city, they just happen to meet these young women who know where Samuel is. We don't tell them, oh no, I haven't seen him, he's probably not here. You know, they may have just gone back home. They just happen to meet these young women who say, yeah, he's just, just in the hurry. And so they go in there, and the first person they come up to to ask where the house of the seer is, is Samuel himself. That just happens to be the case. And Samuel had heard from the Lord that he was coming, and so it, it is the case that he sits at the head of the table. They bring out the, the king's food. They put it on his plate. He eats the king. I mean, this is all evidence that God is with him for mission. And then God gives him signs, like, it's such a big, difficult assignment. I better give you signs. And so he gets three signs to prove that God is with you. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, I just don't know if God is with me. Is God with me? God was with, yeah, I mean, God was with people in the Bible sometimes. Okay. Is God with me? So if, you, if you're talking to somebody who asks that, what would you say? Is God with us? So I'd like, I'd like to just read to you from Matthew chapter 1. I'll come back to 1 Samuel, but I, I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 1. And this is, this is when Jesus is born. This is the angel's birth announcement. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus showing up means that God is with us. God is with us. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've already been through. I don't know what you will go through next week or the week after that. 
But I know this. God is with us. He is with us. That is straight from the angel's lips. That is a quote from Isaiah the prophet. God is with us. Now what does that mean primarily? Primarily that means that God is not here to save us from the Philistines like it was for Saul, but to save us from our sins. Turns out Philistines aren't the enemy. Sin and death is the enemy. And Jesus came to be the king that Saul never could be and save us from the enemies that Saul never could. And Jesus shows up as king and is with us to save us from our sins. Matthew really, really wants us to know that God is with us. So if you're here and you're going, I just don't think God is with me. Now, we're going to talk about what God wants you to do in a minute. But before I convince you to do what God wants you to do, I have to convince you that God is with you. Or you just won't do it because it'll be too overwhelming and too scary and too impossible. But I'm telling you, God is with you. He is with you to strengthen you for mission. I know this because at the beginning of Matthew, the angel says, he's quoting Isaiah, he is with you, and he is named Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then think of how the book ends. Think of how Matthew ends. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The king that Saul never could be, the king David never could be, the king none of us can be, none of our political leaders can be. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. But think of how the book ends. He tells them to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay? But that's not how it ends. How does the book end? That's right. And behold, I am with you always. Did you catch that? I read that too fast. And behold, I am with you when I feel like it. Is that what it says? I am with you when you are being good. Is that what it says? I am with you as long as everyone around you is being good. Is that what it says? I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. God is with you. So let me ask you. God is with you. What is he calling you to do? What's he calling you to do? Maybe you can look back and you can think of how one inconvenience led to another inconvenience, led to another frustrating situation. Is God's hand in that moving you, guiding you? Can you look back on your life and see how God has been with you, guiding you, changing the course of your life? Can you look back on your life and see God's hand? Can you look back on your life and see evidence after evidence 
after evidence of God's grace in your life? What is he calling you to do? What has he positioned you to do? I want to leave you especially with 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 7. This is what Samuel tells Saul. He says, Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do. It's very simple. Do what your hand finds to do. Do what is in front of you. You don't have to know God's sovereign will for your life for the next hundred years. Do what God is telling you to do right now. What is God telling you to do right now? If God is with you, what is he equipping you to do right now? So I'll talk about me for a minute, and you think about you for a minute. I know what God is calling me to do right now. It's to glorify him by following Jesus. And that means making disciples who make disciples. And what that means on an everyday basis is that means when I get up in the morning, I should start my day by loving God. And the way that happens for me is I sit down and I read my Bible. And I write down something I'm thankful for. And I pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray it differently every day. But I pray the Lord's Prayer, putting specific requests into each of those. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, this is how my day starts. God's got to be first. Hey, what is God calling you to do? I'm asking about you. What is God calling you to do? The, the second thing that I know God has called me to do is he called me to love Cheyenne well. inescapable. I I have to love her well. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. I have to love her well. What's God called you to do? I have to raise godly men. I mean, give me four sons. I have to I have to invest in them. I have to give up my wants, my desires, my priorities for theirs. What has God called you to do? And I have to, I have to pastor this church well. I have to preach well. I have to show you God's glory every week again and again and again and again. That's what I have to do. I have to lead you well. I have to care for you well. That's what I have to do. That's what God's called me to do. What has he called you to do? I want you to come back to 10 verse 7 here. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hands find to do. For God is with you. When you come up against stuff and it seems too big and too hard and too complicated and you're like, I can't do this. That is exactly where God wants you. Because his strength is made perfect in your weakness.
Because he can lead us when we don't know where to go and we don't know what to do. I think this is what you want to do with your life, though. I think you want to glorify God by doing what he wants you to do in his strength. This is what you want. You want to know that you've maxed out your life for God in God's strength. Doing what only God can do through you. Meditate on this verse this week. Do what your hands find to do for God is with you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you are with us. In the inconveniences, in the frustrations, in all the unknowns of life, Lord, that you are with us. Lord, and I thank you that you made your way forward clear for Saul and that you make your way forward clear for us. Lord, I pray that you just meet each one here in a special way this week and pull them towards yourself. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.